Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Well, we've been looking at seven letters written to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And in the very first chapter of Revelation, John the Apostle, while incarcerated on a prison island called Patmos, he has a vision of Jesus. And in this vision, Jesus tells the Apostle John to write down seven different messages for seven different churches. And even though each letter, each message to these churches is specific and unique and personalized. There's a phrase that Jesus uses toward the beginning of all seven of these letters. And it's the phrase, I know. And I love these two words, I know. See, I think that those two words all by themselves preach the gospel. They are good news. Jesus knows. He knows us in a way that nobody else does. He knows what we're feeling. He knows what we're going through. He knows the things we're wrestling with and the things that we're questioning. He knows what we're grieving. He knows what we're confused by. He knows all of our longings, our desires, and our dreams. He knows where we need to be comforted, and he knows where we need to be challenged. He, he knows our hearts, and he, he knows us. He knows us even better than we know ourselves. And that is good news, that we are known by him. So if you don't get anything else out of this sermon series, out of the sermon today, don't forget this powerful truth that Jesus knows you. And he, and he wants you to know him too. So remember that. Okay, the last few weeks, we have looked at some of these letters written to these churches, and we've heard what Jesus had to say to the churches of Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum. Today, we're going to listen to what he has to say to the church at Thyatira. Now, as I mentioned, these letters to these churches are, are unique and specific and personal to, to each one of these churches. And yet, they strangely apply to every church in history. They, they have a way of speaking directly to churches everywhere, to, to Christians, to followers of Jesus everywhere. So I want to just take a moment to ask God to give us ears to hear what the Spirit might want to say to us this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us this morning. God, as we open up the Scriptures and as we read the words of Scripture, God, we pray that we, we would have open hearts, that you would plant what you want to plant, that you would pluck up what you want to pluck up, that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to us specifically today. We'll do our very best to listen and obey. Amen. Amen. Okay. Before we read the passage, let me give a few details about the church at Thyatira and the city of Thyatira itself. So Thyatira 
was the smallest and least charming, we'll say, of all the seven cities that Jesus addresses in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And so it's seemingly the most insignificant church of all the seven churches, yet Jesus had the most to say to them. It's the longest letter of the seven, which sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? And Thyatira was known for its trade guilds, which would be the equivalent of our modern-day labor unions, right? So it was, it was a blue-collar town. Uh, it was full of linen workers and wool workers, uh, leather workers, potters, tanners, uh, bronze smiths. And in fact, in Acts chapter 16, we meet a woman named Lydia, and she is from the city of Thyatira. And she's traveling to Philippi to do business and crosses paths with the Apostle Paul. And Lydia becomes the Apostle Paul's very first convert in all of Europe. And, and we're told that she's a seller of purple. She, she sold purple dye for garment making. And so Thyatira was filled with people just like Lydia, entrepreneurial, hardworking tradesmen who, who got along with one another, who, who rooted for one another, kind of like small business communities do, right? They stick together. They care about each other's small business. They, they shop locally. And, and so all this is reflected in the opening verses of Jesus' letter to them. He, he commends them. He commends them for their love and for their service and for their patient endurance. He even says this about them. I see your constant improvement and growth. And so the people of Thyatira, the church at Thyatira, was full of honest, hardworking, caring, loving, community-type folks. It was a small-town church, right? But the church also had some real problems and some things that needed to change and that they needed to repent of. And because Jesus knows them, right, and loves them, he comes to them and writes this long letter to them uh, to confront and correct them on some of these things. And so let's start reading Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. And so Jesus starts his letter by describing himself, of course, that the letter is from him. And he says in his description of himself, his eyes are like flames of fire. In other words, he has a penetrating gaze. He sees the things that go unseen. He knows them. He, he has eyes to see through all of their pretenses, not to condemn them, right, but to heal them, to make them whole. And he, he further describes himself by saying, whose feet are like polished bronze. What is that about? Well, in, in scripture, bronze is often symbolic of justice. And so when Jesus compares his feet to polished bronze, what he's telling them is, hey, I want to address something I'm concerned about, and it's pretty serious. It's like when, when a parent calls a child by their first, middle, and last name, 
right? You know it's serious. But before Jesus challenges them, he commends them. Look at verse 19. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. You know, I find it interesting that the church at Thyatira was the only church out of the seven that was commended for their love. And that's noteworthy, right? Of these seven churches, Thyatira was the only church out of the seven commended for their love. But as we're about to find out in the following verses, they had some serious shortcomings because they were known for having full hearts but empty minds. In other words, they tolerated and allowed some destructive and harmful teaching. Remember when we read the first letter, the letter to the church at Ephesus, back in Revelation chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2? Ephesus was the exact opposite of the church at Thyatira. If you remember, Ephesus was known for their deep commitment to weighing and measuring and discerning everything they heard. Jesus told the church at Ephesus, you don't put up with false teaching. You don't tolerate false claims. And that is commendable. But then Jesus goes on to tell the church at Ephesus, but your love has grown cold, right? You've become overly cynical. Thyatira, on the other hand, was strong in love, but they were, they were unwilling to disagree with anyone who spoke falsely. They were unwilling to confront teachings that went against the teachings of Jesus. In other words, they, they were silent when they should have spoken up and said something. You know, this past Monday, we celebrated Martin Luther King Day. And he once said, there comes a time when silence is betrayal. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. That's what was going on in the church of Thyatira. So Jesus tells this church, your tolerance for these false teachings are harming your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you need to say something. You need to do something. See, I think it, it's quite common for churches to be polarized in one of these two extremes, where we either love well or we hold on to truth. But Jesus makes it clear in these seven letters that both love and truth are needed, which is why we're commanded in Scripture to speak the truth in love, right? Because love requires us to not withhold truth. But when we speak truth outside of the context of love, it's no longer God's truth. And, and so both and are required. It, it's not an either or, it's both and. Well, let's keep reading in the next two verses here, Revelation chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. 
but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. See, what was happening during this time is there was a growing movement that was infiltrating the early church called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics believed that anything physical was meaningless. In fact, they said anything physical was evil. And that freeing the soul was what really mattered. And so they viewed souls being trapped in these evil physical bodies. And so the Gnostics uh, tried to separate body from soul. They tried to split body from soul. So what you did with your physical body didn't matter to them. And what was happening at the church in Thyatira is a prophetess was teaching that sex outside of the powerful and nurturing safeguard of marriage was perfectly fine, that sex is just a physical act that, that doesn't mean much. It doesn't affect your soul. It's not tied to your soul because your body is split from your soul. In scripture, however, we see that our bodies do matter, that our body and souls are, are interconnected, that what we do with our bodies directly affects our souls and vice versa. See, spirituality and sexuality are, are related on some levels. If I was going to define spirituality, I would define it this way. Spirituality is a longing to know and be known by God. And if I was going to define sexuality, I would say it's a longing to know and be known by someone else. And at the core of these two things, at the core of this relationship between spirituality and sexuality is longing. We long to be known and to know. But what happens is when the aim of these longings go in the wrong direction, we end up in, in a vicious cycle of want where other people become objects for our own gratification, where we become trapped searching for what can only be found in God, and we end up forfeiting intimacy for something else, something less. And that, of course, further deepens our disordered longings, which we all have. See, you can't experience wholeness when you're attempting and trying to split your body from soul. Because our body and soul are interconnected. They're intertwined. God designed us that way. They're, we're not designed to split and separate our body from our soul. And so Jesus tells this church, hey, the things this prophetess is teaching, it's damaging people. It's robbing them of intimacy and it's destructive. Well, Jesus then addresses another harmful teaching that they're allowing. They're just being silent and letting it happen even though they know it's wrong. They're being taught 
that it's okay to eat food offered to idols. See, these trade guilds participated in all kinds of festivals and feasts, and idol worship was a central part of these trade guild festivals. And because Gnosticism taught that the physical doesn't matter, eating food that was offered to idols was a perfectly fine way to nourish their evil physical bodies, right? So for the Gnostic, even one's relationship with food and the table didn't matter. It didn't matter if the food was offered to idols. It didn't matter what the table represented and what was being celebrated. And Jesus says, no, that's not true. He tells them otherwise. He says that your relationship with food and what you celebrate at the table with other people matters. Now, a lot more can be said about that, but we need to keep moving. Uh, in verses 22 and 23, Jesus gives some more tough love and some strong warnings to this church. But I want to look together at verse 24 before we close. Look at verse 24 with me. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Jesus says to the church at Thyatira, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Jesus tells them, look, because I know you, Here's all I'll ask of you, church at Thyatira. Address these false teachings that are damaging people, that, that are ruining intimacy with God. And then he tells them this, just hang on. You know, I wonder if, if there's anyone watching this morning that needs to hear those words today. Just hang on. Just hang in there and remain faithful. You know, as, as we consider this letter to the church at Thyatira, I want to leave you with, with a couple questions to, to contemplate, a prayer and a benediction. And my first question is this. Is there anything that, that you've been tolerating in your own life that's negatively affecting your soul? Is there, is there anything damaging your intimacy with God that you need to repent of and, and turn away from? And then what are some spiritual rhythms and practices that can help you with that? I want you to think about those questions today. And then finally, one more question. Is there anything you've been silent about that God wants you to speak the truth and love to. Remember, you have to speak the truth in the context of love or it's no longer God's truth. But is there anything that you've been silent about that God wants you to, to speak up about in, in, in love? Okay, those are some great questions for you to, to consider today and throughout the week. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, we come to you and we confess our, our own shortcomings, that, that in many ways we're like the church at Thyatira. That there are 
uh, things that happen around us and in us that we're silent about that. Um, Lord, we just need your courage to speak the truth and love to. And then, Lord, there's other areas in our life uh, where we have disordered longings and we've convinced ourselves that that those disordered longings don't affect our soul. And yet we see scripture. We know, Lord, that our body and our soul are intertwined. They're interconnected together. And so, Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters who um, are in a place where you're lovingly bringing conviction to them for their healing and for their good, for their wholeness. God, I ask that that you would walk with them, that you would be with them, and Lord, that you would strengthen, like in the way only you can do. Lord, we thank you for this, this letter that we got to read today to the church at Thyatira, and we thank you, God, that you know us like you knew that church. And Lord, at the beginning of this time together, we asked you to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and so if if you want to say anything more to us before we sign off, God, um, we, we give you our open hearts to speak and open ears, Lord, to hear what it is you're saying to us as individuals and as a church community. Lord, give us the courage we need to respond to what you're calling us to do. And we will give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me leave you with a benediction. The benediction I want to leave you with today is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Amen. listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.